Finally, I got my voice back. That was terrible. I got the flu and lost my voice. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I lose my voice sometimes because I sleep kind of weird, and sometimes I end up punching myself in the throat for an entire night. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> wow, that's nuts. Yeah, it's always a pain because I talk a lot. Yeah, me too. If You, you probably know that. <laughs> All right, let's do this. <clears throat> They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Shooting the Shit with Chippa, um, the podcast that's very similar to the Chipman Brothers Tangent, except it doesn't have Movie Bob, and I replace him with other interesting people that I think you guys should talk to as well. Um, tonight's guest um, goes by Leonidas701 on Twitter. Um, and I'll have him introduce himself. Introduce yourself, buddy. You know what up? Uh, I'm Leonidas701. You can call me Elijah. Um, and in preparation for this recording, I've spent the last hour listening to More Than a Feeling on loop to make sure that I'm on the same vibe as Chris. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, yes, to, to make sure that you're on the same vibe as this East Coast, Boston, born and raised gentleman, um, God, that song is awesome. Now you get a plane in it's my one head. Of the, it's one of the best riffs of all time. Like just dun 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 dun. It's, it's so like good. I could I could listen to just that riff for like an entire day. In fact, it made me so happy. One of during our you know back and forths on Twitter when you had brought up, uh, you know, is everybody in Boston as into Boston as I think they probably are? And the the answer is yes. They're them and Aerosmith came out around the same time, and they're like those two untouchable. Um, bands, you know, any bar around here, you're gonna hear more than a feeling I mean, any night of the week. I mean, it's it's better. You guys are better off than Chicago, where their main bands are Chicago and Sticks. And I like Chicago and Sticks, but they have like very clear, like massive down periods. Yes, yeah, and, and Boston, man, that that initial studio album, self-titled Boston album, is one of like when I heard it when I was young. I didn't know it was from 1973. You know, it's like 1988, 89, and my dad plays it for me, and it's like, this sounds so new and different, even yeah. then. And it was coming out, you know, around the same time as, you know, you name it, you know, from that period that had a very distinctive recording sound. This sounded, you know, there's multiple guitars layered over yeah. each other, and the, the vocals The first album are... where the guitar was recorded directly instead of having a microphone and sent in front of a speaker. Exactly, right? And it, it's just, it's such a labor of love. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, when you read the history of it, it's kind of like the first Foo Fighters album, where, you know, Boston was a band, but no, the, there was a particular gentleman that was fully in creative control of all of that. Well, well for the need... For the first two fighter albums, it literally was just all Dave just Grohl. Dave Grohl, exactly. And I, I, I love listening to an album like that where you're just like, wow, like you, you can just because sometimes just hearing someone straight up recorded playing live or playing in a studio is great, but there's there's also really great produced things, and I, I love when you can have an example of that in like a rock album, just like a straight up regular old rock album without any, you know, crazy extra stuff added in. Oh yeah, like great production is the main reason why like ninety percent of all hair metal bands sound good at all. Exactly, and you see them perform live, and you go, "Oh crap!" Yeah, it's just a look, isn't it? Damn. Yeah, like I think like three fourths of Poison were recruited from a modeling agency. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, I re I like learned like a month ago. I think 
that the you know the spaceship, the Boston spaceship. Yes. Yeah, that's actually a guitar. Like if you ever see the full thing, it's like that's on the bottom yep. half of a guitar, and it goes on forever. And it's so cool looking. It, it's it's funny. I, I used to go through my dad's record albums, and it took me um, laying on the floor next to it, and I kind of just had it laid up against a record player while I was listening to it. And t- tilted my head upside down to recognize that because it's an upside down guitar. Yeah, right. Ooh, it, I, I have a thing to tell you about record albums when we get to that point. Uh, when we I start mean, talking, you can say about, it now if you want. Yeah. Uh, so the the closest thing that I've had to like um, to like you you have you ever gotten a feeling where you're like looking through your parents' old stuff and you start like seeing like original versions of things that you've seen reproduced out over and over and over and over again? Yes. Yeah. So recently, like. Over Thanksgiving, I went to my friend's house, and uh, so uh, uh, my mom just texted me. That's Sorry, weird, right? You were just—I think—I think her ears were ringing. Yeah. Uh, so I went over to my friend's house, and uh, so the the main point of this podcast would be like us comparing our very different upbringings. Uh, I'm yes, that first, was that was the yeah, idea. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm first generation from. I'm first generation. My parents came over as refugees from the Russian part of Ukraine which that's a whole political thing I'll get into, uh, from the Russian part of Ukraine in the late 80s, early 90s, I think. Uh, so I'm first-generation American, and my best friend, uh, his mom is in the same, is also came over as a refugee, but his dad is, like, all-American. And at their house, they have his grandfather's old, not even records, but, like, a thing that was, like, a massive, like, a double-wide record or whatever they were called. They were, like... Uh, 14 inches long. They're like a specific specific format that's like impossible to find nowadays. Like the laser oh. disc of records. And I was staying in their guest room, which is where they have all those records and that record player. And I just on a whim started like looking through it, and I just saw all these like old albums. Like I saw the Creedence Clearwater Revival, uh, their Skiffle Band oh. concept album. I saw a Japanese version of Purple of a Japanese release of Purple Rain by Prince. I saw um, Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. I saw. Uh, I saw the original record of Led Zeppelin's, um, the album that like everyone keeps talking about when they talk about Led Zeppelin, the one with the all the with the massive apartment building or whatever it's called. Ah, uh, yes, House and, of the Holy. Yeah, I saw Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. No, physical Road. graffiti. I, sorry. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I saw oh. like original Beatles records, and like I was just looking through them all, just these two shelves of records, just like going through them and like. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And it's like looking through them and like there was these ones that were like just in sleeves that I had to open up to look at them. And just when I opened them, my eyes were like just get, kept getting wider and wider. And it's like the closest thing I've had to like that type of legacy experience in my entire life. That's so and, cool. Yeah, and it was just like mind blowing to me because I've never felt anything like that before. Yeah, like, no, I agree. R- records and old media, you know, th- they they seemed. Whether they knew it or not, it, it has a legacy feeling to it, right? Like you, you, even a new one, like bands that are releasing them now, you pick it up and you go, this seems like there's a, there's a craftsmanship to it. You know, the way, the way the album is done that you, you know, when you can't hold something, you just don't feel that anymore. Yeah. For me, it's just like all the history that I feel. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, like this is something that's lasted this long. And I can't get that with anything else. Cause, uh, like I said, my family came over. My parents were like adults when they came over. Like my parents weren't even married yet. Well, they were. My mom was married, but not to my dad. Uh, oh wow! Yeah. So they weren't married yet. My mom actually like hated my dad, which I never knew why. Apparently, he was a real shit in school. Um. Uh. But like, I know 
nothing about who my dad was as a kid before he came over to America. I know nothing about what my mom's life was like before she had me. Like, the only thing I, I know one fact about my mom's childhood, and it's something I'll bring up when we talk about the Russian version of Three Musketeers in a little bit. And oh, that's yeah. all I know about her childhood. All I know about my dad is that before he was a computer programmer, when he was studying at uh, the university in San Francisco, he worked a part-time job as a security guard in a mall, and he would eat Arby's pretty much every week, pretty much every day, because it was the thing in the food court closest to him. Oh, Arby's. Oh, God. This was like 90s Arby's back when the food tasted better because no one gave a shit about what they were putting into it. Well, see, here's the problem with Arby's, um, and because I know the majority of the country doesn't get why people from where I live hate Arby's so much. Um, so Arby's, everything that they sell that's not roast beef, which is like the thing they're known for. I thought they were every, curly fries. Well, oh, one second. I'm getting a timeout message from the wife. Yes. Yes, I know. We're good? All right. Say hi to Elijah. Tell her I say hi. Yeah, it's Elijah Wood. I'm talking to Frodo. I didn't know who Elijah Wood was until I saw Happy Feet. Yeah, geez, she said I'm sorry. I always, she always rags on me that Samwise and um, Frodo seem like they're in a relationship. Nice. Nice. Very good. All right. You know, the thing that stops me from going late is if you let me do this. <laughs> do you hear that? I, I did. I hear I hear extremely Boston yelling, but I don't I can't make it out. He said I hear very Boston sounding yelling. <laughs> I'm keeping all this in, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Oh, don't turn on all Ava's toys. Come on. <laughs> That's so funny. She always has to come in at some point and go, is Chris actually letting you talk? She always jokes with me that these podcasts are just going to be me and the guests are never going to get to talk. I wonder how far her jaw will drop when she hears that I've interrupted you like three times. I don't think you've talked over me once. That's awesome. So I need to make a note to myself to edit that out. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, so what, what, as you were saying. Uh, yeah. So I know almost nothing about my parents' lives before. Like, I think. Yeah, before they oh, had me, I know hold, almost nothing about their lives. Hold on, I, di- I didn't get to finish my thoughts. So, so the reason we hate Arby's so much around here right. is, you know, you know how, like, Philly has the cheesesteak and, um, like, the cheesesteak sub, and, you know, the I, I'm not... The original gentrified taco. The original gentrified taco, exactly. And um, I, you're in Southern California. What city are you in? Uh, so I'm from San Francisco, and that's where oh, I've been to San Francisco. Uh, but I'm currently in school at UCSB. Okay, awesome. So, um, what is there a local like food that you could say like they're known for that they think the rest of the country does terrible in San Francisco? Or in or yeah, either where you grew up or where you are now. Oh God, um, I've never had a good burrito outside of this one shop in San Francisco. I've heard that from a lot of people, and everyone and no out there always has on what shop it is. Exactly. Okay. So, so in in the North Shore of Massachusetts, so it's very contained to like four or five cities that are all north of Boston. So it's like Lynn, Beverly, um, Peabody, not really on the coast, Salem. This like small area they call the North Shore kid. Um, yeah, like the Bay Area. Revere. Yes. Yeah, same idea. Exactly. Like the East Bay Bay Area kind of thing. When you're from a- we make there's a heavy Greek population, and they all have sub shops, 
and they all make a very specific type of pizza, but that's not the thing because the Greek pizza is good, but it's, it's not what I'm getting into. They all make roast beef sandwiches. And so you get like Johnny's famous roast beef and Nico's famous roast beef. And they all say famous roast beef. And the thing is, is it's, it's served warm. It's rareish sliced thin. And it's got usually barbecue sauce, lettuce, and mayonnaise is like the roast beef three way. And Arby's tries to make that and they can't do it. Like their chicken sandwiches are great. Everything else is great. Their roast beef is garbage and it's just really funny. And we'll, we'll fight people on that. You lost me at lettuce. I yeah. Just... And again, that's just, that's the way a lot of people like it. I actually like barbecue sauce and pickles. Like that's the way I like it. Okay. So I have a pet peeve about restaurants and pickles is there's literal <laughs> dozens of types of pickles. And even if you're just going like base pickles, there's like three different kinds between like dill, kosher, dill, and sweet. And yep. restaurants never specify what kind of pickle they have, right? which I hate because I only like one specific kind of pickle. I only like kosher dill pickles. And every single time there's a thing with pickles on it, I always have to like just say, eh, no pickles because there's, there's no way I can look like anything but the biggest asshole if I ask a person, could you please tell me what kind of pickle you have? Well, exactly. And they look no at you like, what do you know? mean? What do you because mean? Because no one checks that. But um, so these sub shops, it's always kosher dill. Thank God. Always. So yeah. that, that's because that's the only thing that goes on a sandwich with barbecue sauce, in my opinion. The minute you add barbecue sauce, there's your sweet. So you need the kosher dill. A sweet pickle and barbecue sauce is just awful, even though I like sweet pickles. So that's weird. Um, but anyway, so so you were you were talking about um, your family not knowing much about them. So actually, I'll I'll give people you know, and, and you can add to this kind of where the the idea for having you on outside of the fact that we've had some really good conversations, and I think we should share them with everybody. And I think it makes a good guest for the show. Is I think I had shared about how my relatives, my distant relatives, came over on the Mayflower, and we have finally just proven that. Um, it took a long time to connect the dot. Now we're in a society, you know, it's like one of those old, like daughters of the American revolution kind of, you're the oldest Americans, even though the natives were here before us, but I won't even get into that because we treated them terrible. But, but anyway, um, you know, so that's really cool. So all of this history that I have in this area growing up and my mom was a big history buff. So she took us to all the old historic places. We live right next to the city where they murdered all the witches in the 1600s, you know, all, all that's here. But we truly are, you know, the the oldest white people in the area. <laughs> My lineage goes all the way back that far. So that was really cool. And you had said, oh, you know, we should do a thing about experiencing geek culture, experiencing the culture of the United States, but from, from two very different perspectives. Yeah, from completely. Exactly. Yeah, because I think the way I put it was uh, so you're. You've been here, your family's been here since the inception. You're on the yep. East Coast, and you grew up in like the. You're, you're Gen X, right? Yes, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and I'm, you're Gen I'm, X. I'm the Gen oh. X millennial overlap, so I was born yeah. in 84. And then, so. I'm, and then I'm like first generation child of refugees living in the, one of the most liberal places in the world, in, in, the, in the country. And I'm, I'm at that weird space where my, brother is for, where my older brother is for certain a millennial, my younger sister is for certain Generation Z. Interesting. Yeah, and my brother's five it's, years older than me, and Melissa's just four years old, four, four years younger than me. And when when were you born, Elijah? I was born in '97. Oh wow! Which All means right. I was three years short of it being really easy to tell what my age is. Wow! So you're so you're in college right now? Yeah, I'm actually finishing up college. 
Very cool. I graduate in like two months. Oh, congratulations! Well, Eve, geez, thank you even more for for giving me some time here. You're in the you're in this the stressful time of pre freedom. Mm, well, freedom with how yes. everything's going on. The fact that I'm going to be trying to make a living in San Francisco. Oh no! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're you're going back to you know. Yeah. I remember I remember wandering around there and everybody, you know, that wasn't from this area warning me, oh, it's so expensive. And I walked around and it is. But I'm like, oh, so the prices are the same as Boston. I had a point to make about that. Right. Um, so I remember this was from like, I think, last year. Your brother had just come back from a trip to, Cal- to like California. And he was on yes. podcast with you saying like how he made the point about how, you know, how in Boston things grew up really tall and how California was like it, that would happen if they had grown out instead of up. Yes. So that wasn't an aesthetic choice. We had to do that because in California, every so often, the ground gets very angry at us. <laughs> you live where people aren't supposed to live. <laughs> yeah. Like, we live in a place that was literally, like, it's called California, and that's basically the Spanish equivalent of Atlantis, because they thought it was just <laughs> an island completely disconnected from the rest of America. That's so funny. There's it, a mountain. It, of, it's, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you, uh, have you ever been out this way? Uh, when I was in, um, middle school, my family went for like three weeks. We went all along the East coast and the Southeastern part of Canada. And we were like chilling out in New York during that part. Cool. I got, I made a street performer very angry at me in Boston because I was a horrible little 10 year old. (laughs) I was going to say, it's not that hard to do. Yeah. around here everybody's so angry around here <laughs> but but any, uh, what i was going to say is boston there's actually a line a metal line through boston that shows where the shoreline used to be <laughs> because boston is boston is a landfill like the downtown of boston and the south shore of boston are fake it's just it, it's just up on pylons it's a big landfill it's so nutty <laughs> I really wish I knew sp- anything about sports about and wish I knew anything about sports aside from the Warriors because I'm sure there's like a this is where we fought back the Yankees fans line joke in there somewhere. Oh my god, yeah, dude, living around here for all that. Oh, I watched cars get flipped. I watched poor poor kids trying to get back from class in college. When the Red Sox finally won a World Series, getting when, shot with tear when gas. The, when the Giants won their second World Series, not their first, their second, because this, so this was in uh, 2012. Yep. The day before the parade, the principal of my high school had to make an announcement in the middle of seventh period saying, if you go from school to go to the parade, we will mark you absent. We know a lot of you are going to do it. We just have to warn you, we will not accept absences on that day. And in the buildup to that World Series... Like, during every time during the game, the classes just would have to stop because everyone was watching the games on their phone. Like, my physics teacher just gave up, pulled out his projector, and we just watched the, we just watched the game on the chalkboard. Oh, of course. Of course. Right. Oh, man. So, so wow. So, um, you know, we, 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 have, we have a lot of fun stuff we can cover, but I wanted to say, where's um, your, your Twitter name? Where's that come from? Okay, so this is a very long walk. I hope you're ready to take it. I'm, dude. This is what I'm all about. Do you want the numbers first, or do you want the name first? Um, surprise me. Okay, so you know Neopets? Yes. Have you ever tried making an account on Neopets? No. So in Neopets, if you tried to make an account and the name was already taken, 
they would say, would you like to try this name instead? And it would be like a selection of four or five names, which was the name you put in, followed by a random string of numbers. All right, I've, I've seen things like that before. Yeah, right. and so when I was like in single digits age, I tried making my name Mega. And it was followed up, and the, the suggested sequence of numbers after that was like 701, and I basically shortened that to 7, it didn't work. Shortened that to 70, it didn't work. And then finally, Mega 701 worked. So I just kept it, and I think I only used that Neopets count like twice. Uh, yeah. Because I could never figure out what the fuck the appeal of Neopets is. I tried it like three times, and I just never got it. Uh, but those seven numbers, 701, stuck with me. Uh, and the Leonidas part of it... So, have you ever heard of a game called Bakugan? No. Yeah, Surprisingly, so was... man, you, people don't usually stump me. Okay, go for it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a collectible card game that's more like a marble shooting game that was very big when I was in middle school. Oh! Uh, where you would like stand these little marbles that popped out into monsters. It was like if Transformers all only became balls and you threw the Transformers at other people. Um, I've seen this. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a very good cartoon. Uh, and it was really fun. And there was a video game of it. There was Well, there were three video games of it. Only one was good, and it was the first one because that was the only one that was actually an adaptation of the game. Uh, and in that game, your character, the player character, had a signature Bakugan. And the signature Bakugan's name was Leonidas. And he was just such... He was just this really annoying, petulant little asshole. But he was like a three-inch big ball creature. And he floated. And it was just... For whatever reason, I just fell in love with the little jackass. And so oh, I just kind awesome, of kept man. that in my... And so I've just kind of kept that as my name. And so I just smashed yeah. this together, and it became Leonidas 701. Perfect. Yeah, no, I, I just, you know, I, I, I thought there was a cool story behind it, and there is. It's, it's always interesting to see where people's Twitter handles come from. Um, yeah, oh, man, that's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah like, so, so, so keep on. Let's, we, we got into yeah. Boston sports. Yay, Boston sports. I, I yeah, <laughs> we're obnoxious. That's really yeah. the best thing I can well, say. Hey, at least you guys are not currently giving the Yankees a run for their money as the most hated sports team in the world. Yeah, but the Patriots are the Yankees of football, so... Yeah, we, and the Warriors we, we, are just... We do accept that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I, don't, I like the Warriors. Oh, no, it's, it's fine, dude. Uh, what else was I going to say? Right. Yeah, so basically sports wasn't a thing in, Cal in San Francisco for a very long time, and then all of a sudden they became a thing. Right. Yeah, and like I think every sport I've ever gotten into, I've gotten into because of a video game. Like I got into basketball because of NBA 2K14. I got into wrestling because ah. of WWE 12. Well, no, yep. uh, the actual reason why I originally got into wrestling is like the first memory I have of it is like super embarrassing. It's uh, I was uh, at my grandma's apartment, uh, and she had a TV in her in her bedroom that was connected to cable, because uh, this was back when. Uh, my grandpa, the grandpa she was married to, was still alive, so they had a bigger apartment than, than she does now. Uh, and that TV was connected to cable, and I was just randomly channel flipping with uh, my brother and my cousin Irena. And uh, we just came across SmackDown, and uh, I think my brother just went off to do something and took the remote with him. So I was just <laughs> still watching SmackDown. And then a bra and panties match came on, and I was like eight at the time. So, oh, like, yeah. Even, like, even pre puberty. When I didn't understand, when I didn't even have like any actual feelings about anything at that point, beyond just the rage of being tiny. Um, <laughs> yeah, even then, I just saw this brown panties match and I was just like, hmm. 
And that's my first memory of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, dude, wrestling. It's funny. I, I had forgotten how much my brother and I watched wrestling. And I was watching. I put up on YouTube, actually, an old movie I made where a bunch of action figures come to life and start attacking my family. And I told him to improvise a scene where he was telling my mom that, you know, if you put toys out on Halloween, they come to life and kill you or whatever. And he interrupts at one point because he thought it would be so cool to point out that he was watching Nitro, which was the pre-Smackdown WWE show. I thought Nitro <laughs> was the WCW show. Maybe it was. See, yeah, this that, is a, yeah, Monday yeah, that was W. I always Monday forget Night that w- Raw and then Monday Nitro. You are correct. See, you, you remember more. And I'm just watching. And I go, man, that's probably the last time I ever watched wrestling. And he's and he still loves it. I mean, I had all the games. I was way into it. But Bob Bob went to uh, Bob went to um, not SummerSlam. He went to WrestleMania when he was back at uh, back at the Escapist the original time they sent him out there. Yeah, he that's also cool. I think. I, I did hear him on a podcast talking about uh, SummerSlam where he talked about uh, how when John Cena got suplexed so many times by Brock Lesnar, watching the kids in the audience, it was like seeing they saw Santa get shot. Yeah, yeah. That's nuts. Uh, yeah, the, all the chairs in this school in this dorm, they're all these really shitty rocking chairs. It's really annoying and it's bad for my back and thighs. I think they make that and give them to every university or college Yeah, because like, I have the same ones. It's off. They're awful. It makes my bones like just slam up into my muscles. It's yeah, ugh. everything. It it's just it's soul crushing. <laughs> I think the that's bed, the design. The bed's nice. Oh, cool. So they fixed that. Yeah. At least for you guys. Mm. Nice. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, so first generation. So your so you don't know much about it aside from you know. Um, were, were they escaping? Was where they were? I mean, I know that shit was pretty bad no, there uh, at the time, but they, uh, they they left following the fall of the Berlin Wall, following like the actual class of Soviet Union. They came over as uh, specifically economic refugees, I think. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, like my mom's family came over piece by piece. Uh, I don't. I think my dad. I don't think my dad's family did. Uh, I think my dad, like my dad, his parents, and his sister all came over at the same time. I, I think um, I haven't actually and, tried that. And did they come to California and that's where you oh, were yeah. born or, or were they oh, you yeah, know, kind you know, of like around? as far as I know, they've just always lived in California. Well, obviously, like since they came to the US. Uh, yeah, but like I have family in New York, I have family in Israel, I have family up in Canada. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, uh, my, my cousin up in Canada, Elisaveta, is actually a chess grandmaster and she's like, I think only like three years older than me and she was a chess grandmaster, like I think before she was my age. Wow. Yeah, that's that's an accolade that's not screwing around because I I love chess, but I've never been good at chess. <laughs> yeah, I have like a copy of the the How to Play Chess book that she wrote somewhere around here. It's very... oh, that's that's so cool. Yeah. Speaking of chess, you know, we're gonna get into uh, the Three Musketeers. Maybe that's a good way to segue into that if you're ready to talk. Oh about fuck it. yes! How far did you get into it? So I watched. So I realized it was split into three parts after yeah, I finished the it, first one. Yeah, it's a mini series. Um, but I finished the first one in in its entirety. So okay. we, and I, I gotta say, you know, uh, there's a lot of people, especially younger than me in, in I'll, I'll say this in, in your age group or younger that have a hard time with basically pre like early nineties movies. Oh, and yeah, I'm one this, of them. this, this looks, you know, like every other movie you know, of, of the time period. This was made in like what the late seventies, 1978 early. Yeah. Late early. 
late mid seventies. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. I actually find it super endearing. So I was really impressed with number one, how quickly I caught on to, cause I, I think this could be the first, is this, this, this was a Russian production. Uh, it was made by the Ukrainian film studio of Odessa. Okay. So it was what, funded by the Russian government, like everything what else. What language are they speaking? And They're I don't mean to Russian. sound ignorant. Okay, I just want to make sure because I, it, it's it's not a language I speak, and I've haven't watched that many films. Um, oh yeah, no problem. It, no, no, of like you know, a, a lot of my foreign film are you know Spanish, um, Spanish, French, Japanese, exactly Chinese. So so I wasn't sure you know how I'd um, how I'd get acclimated to the vernacular and the beats of the way the person talked versus how the English translation was working out. But I got to say, I like not even like two minutes into it. I was completely accustomed. I could hear the I could hear the character's voice saying the English things I was reading. I have a very photographic memory and I see things. So it, it you know, I got to say these, these actors were all fantastic. There might be um, a reason for why you were able to climb into it so much. Uh, if you don't mind me making fun of your accent for a little bit, it's because sure. much like the Boston accent, Russian is also a language that you speak without ever actually letting your teeth or lips touch each other. <laughs> fantastic. You like, win. If, if you listen to someone speak Russian very fast, uh, so two funny things about Russian. One is that if you listen to someone speak Russian very fast, it's so hard to tell where one word ends and another begins because yep. Russian as a language is very, is all like in the throat. And also, if you ever hear a woman speak Russian, it's impossible to speak Russian with a high voice, as I'm sure you noticed in the in the uh-huh. movie. Like if you saw like uh, the nursemaid who D'Artagnan had to kiss while he's escaping from the guard, and like uh, Constance, who was like the the woman who ran who like whose house he was staying in. They all sound like they have high voices, but their voice is so deep. Yes. If yeah. you hear someone speak in Eng- if you hear a woman from Russia speak in English, the voice is usually pretty high. And then as soon as they switch languages, it's like you're hearing them slowed down. It's so much. I've, it's such I've, a big I've, shift. I've noticed that. Um, so yeah, I I gotta say I really really thank you for turning me on to this. And I'm gonna go through everything in that playlist you sent. And if you want to send more, please do because I, I one, sent you the the romantic comedy for you to watch. Yes, your wife, right? exactly. And and I and and I watched a little of that too, but I not enough to really know what was going on. But I wanted to make sure I it's just, life life is hard right now. But I had I had to finish this Three Musketeers one, and it was easy because it was awesome. It oh, really yeah. Did was. Did you notice how whenever he like pulls out his sword from the scabbard it makes like almost like a like a very high-pitched lightsaber noise yeah dude the sound effects i it's like princess bride levels of just yeah enough yeah it 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 reminded me of like like princess bride where it was like a living looney tunes cartoon oh yeah especially when he's like throwing the bag of flour up at the roof and there's a scene where aramis is like the people are trying to are running past and he just sticks his leg out and he trips two of them off the stairs yeah yeah the 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 subtitles don't translate it properly he when he does that he kind of shrugs and what he says is like how the fuck is like now how did that happen and the subtitles don't catch it and i'm so sad all the playfulness i I loved how each of them was such a uh, fully fleshed out performance and it and it made it through in the um in the translation like i got you know each of their characters and like their approach to the to the source material because i'm very familiar with the three musketeers so it was just so much fun to see them having so much fun with it and then like scenes that go from like you know clunky it's hard to film outdoors you know and probably trying to angle it in these sets to make sure you don't see that you know 
you, this is existing and our in cameras modern are daytime. Shitty and we have to make but, sure that we get their lip flaps recorded because right. everything is ADR'd. Yeah, but like for example, the chess match sequence with with, with the, the best line in history. Number one, yeah, the best line in history, and two, the best camera work in the entire movie. Like oh, yeah. that tracking shot across the banister while they're walking yeah. up the stairs. So, like I actually was genuinely worried for his safety in the way oh, that yeah. they so shot that. that. That, that was shot in the common room of the place where my mom took ballet as a child. And that is the only fact I know about my mom's childhood. Yeah, so, I mean, tell, tell people, because I didn't say where this was taking place, so tell people so, about that. So this movie was filmed in Odessa, which is where my family comes from. It's, the way I describe it, it is, it is the place in the Soviet Union that most wants to be France. And that is yeah. a very hotly contested title. And it, it's, you know, the perfect place to have a Three Musketeers movie take place, if, if oh, that's yeah. the case. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, but like, so, so the best line in history, what, to make sure that we're on the same page, what do you think that best line that I'm talking about is? Oh, man. <sighs> um, I mean, their back and forth had so many good lines in it. So just, just drop it on me and it'll pop right back so into my head. So what I think of specifically is, um, oh, sorry, I cut you off. No, I was going to say cuz I am I am really tired cuz my daughter didn't sleep last night so I don't want to uh I I I'm sure right after I watched it I would have been and I just watched it earlier today. So um it's, it's just oh God. What is it? It's uh so the line I was thinking of is specifically uh the cardinal asks D'Artagnan to leave the musketeers and join his forces. And what D'Artagnan says is I can't say it in Russian because I don't actually speak Russian that well, but what it says translated in English is I'm sorry, but you see all of my friends are in the Musketeers, and yes. by some coincidence, all of my enemies work for you. Yes, yes, by some coincidence. <laughs> yeah, and that's then what I'm he talking about. And he, his friends he, are waiting for him. <laughs> the playful, yeah, yeah. What did you do? What did he say? We played a game of chess. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all like that when they're uh, when he uses the line that Athos used to him when he was challenging him to the, to the duel. When he runs into Porthos as he's leaving, he says the same thing to Porthos that Athos said to him. Uh, when because he, he ran into Athos and he, Athos said to him after they set up the duel, "Very well, we meet at twelve, and at twelve fifteen, I'll cut your ears as you run away from me." And then he summoned yes. Porthos as he ran away. He said like, uh, "Yes, and at fifteen past one, I'll." As you run away from me, I'll cut your ears. And then he runs away, and the other musketeers have to hold Porthos back. <laughs> yeah, he just panics, like, ah, yeah. what, what, what? That's that's and, our line. And, um, then, and then the mess with Aramis, where he runs into them. And then when they actually all meet up, and they're all in the same place, and Athos asks Porthos and Aramis, why are you fighting with him? And none of them want to say the actual reason, because it's really stupid. <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of the back and forth, and I don't know if this is just um, the... Uh, the the source material and the way the people have a tendency to write these types of characters or if maybe someone saw this movie but a lot of the um sword fighting sequences and the way the uh humor was in the forefront like they had so much fun with making this humorous um reminded me of the very first time that captain jack sparrow and uh um uh, will turner will turner fight in that yeah, their um, amazing first fight. Yeah, their Black amazing Black first Black. fight, which is the best fight in the entire series of movies, actually. I have a um, soft spot for the wheel fight, honestly. Oh, I'm, I mean, yes. It, it, it's just so inventive, and the the amount of conversation that can happen during a sword fight when a movie really gets that correctly, I really appreciate that. And their you know, fight doesn't even start. Yeah. interrupted by the asshole guards. Exactly. And it just... it it. 
I, I was immediately taken aback. And I, I told you earlier in a message, it reminded me of like a Terry Gilliam movie where he's trying to do something that, you know, is, is historical or, you know, something that takes place in a different time period, but he can't help himself but make the characters quirky and strange. Yeah. And and I love seeing the three musketeers approached that way, and the and the fact that it made it through the translation. Um, that's why I love watching any foreign movie. I hate dubbed movies because I feel the dubbing never quite gets the the humor. I, I or hate the, dubbed live action movies, but yeah, I like dubbed animated movies. Right, animated movies are made to be dubbed. Exactly, exactly. And so, um, yeah, man, I, I really appreciate, and I wish I had made it through all three. But I was psyched I made it because I'm like, oh, cool, oh, I made it through are, it. And then I'm like, such a treat when you get to the very end. It's such a good scene. I, it's really well done, man. I, I like the yeah. whole cast. It, I like the villain. Yeah. It's uh, the only adaptation of Three Musketeers I can think of where they actually adapt the, the, the breakfast they have on the battlefield. Oh, no shit. Yeah. You see them in the tower and they're like eating breakfast. They have like a picnic blanket and everything. And like Porthos is looking through the arrow slats and he's going, and they're going like, How far away is the army? Eh, we got 30 minutes. Awesome. Come back here. We got some more chicken to get through. So I, I wanted to ask you, I wasn't sure if it was a joke or if I, I saw it properly, but th- there's a song number in this, which I, we haven't even mentioned yet that this is a musical. Oh, yeah. It's a musical. It's a really good musical. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And um, it, it's, it's a musical and. It it almost seems like it's a musical on a dare, like they're almost like I I bet you don't think we can do this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because because as soon as characters started singing, I was like, whoa! That even though you had told me, I'm like that came out of nowhere, and then it it works perfectly. But there's a scene where a horse harmonizes with one of them. Right. So the that's not the actual horse. Uh... Talking. That's um, Porthos singing. I think. Okay, it's I just wasn't that it's sure if horse kind of going up like that. Because I wasn't sure if, if if the horse was just like like doing like a re- like a, a repeater with him. I'm like, did they really just make the horse sing? Uh, it's just very <laughs> clever camera work to make it look like that. Because uh, the part that they're singing is um, something about how the knight the knights of Paris need horses. Yes, exactly. What, what, what that song is about is it's. Um, kind of about how important cavaliers are to Paris's self-identity and like what a knight needs and like the 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 course of it is uh let's be merry with these with these feathers in our hats wine and women yep, yep. it's it's a very good song like it, it is, is like the smash hit of the entire series when i was a kid it was like all i listened to in the car cuz my dad had it on cassette so yeah so so tell me you know i i've of course i have found this movie because of because of your generosity and sharing it with me. I have been throwing it at everyone I meet. And I never would have been able to find it because it is entirely in Russian on YouTube. There's nothing in, like, the YouTube thing you sent where I can go, cool, I'm going to find out who made this movie outside of watching the opening credits. So I'm going to dig into that more. But um, how did you come upon this movie? Well, like I said, uh, when I say it was a hit in Russia, it was a massive mega monster smash hit in Russia from the first episode. Like, it turned the cast into stars overnight. Oh, that's awesome. It des- yeah, Deservedly it so. They're all fantastic. Deal. Yeah, it was a big fucking deal. And uh, my dad, one of the cassettes he played was this had the soundtrack on it. And the, the song of the Musketeers where they go, yep. Yeah, that song. Uh, that was the only song on that entire soundtrack that I liked when I was six. So I just had him play it on repeat. 
That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, the the songs are fantastic. So um, so it's so it's a three parter, huh? Yeah, it's four hours total runtime. the The third episode is only an hour long. Cool. I I can't I can't wait. I I really it's dug it. Fucking good, man. <laughs> no, uh, it's really good. Like I like I wasn't quite sure. Like you know, I'm like you know. If anyone recommends something to me, I, I take them up on it because I'm not, especially when it's something that I culturally would not have found, and there's no way I would have found this, right? It's it just not happening. Um, so, man, I I really – and I can't believe how much I liked it. It's so fucking good. So I, it, what what is the is, – so it's, it's just straight up D'Artagnan and the Three Musketeers is the, is the official name? Yeah, D'Artagnan and the Three Musketeers. Yeah. So if you're if you're able to find it on YouTube, and I'll I'll probably share the link with this podcast. So people yeah, I I made it. a playlist for you of all you did. three parts of it, That's... along with the the romantic comedy I wanted to talk about. Yep, that that I, wanted, I thought that you and your wife would like. Yeah, which so is another um, big smash hit in Russia. Yeah, so so you know to to give me kind of a, a teaser for that, to talk about that one and tell me how okay. you came upon that. Is was okay, that something your so... parents showed you too, or did no, you? Uh, in college, like two years ago, I took a Russian culture class. Oh, cool. uh, to fill my to fill my culture requirement for graduation, uh, and one they saw a bunch of movies. That's where I saw Bakhtinbardi, which is another movie I just throw at everyone because it's a fantastic look at how uh, fascism rises through the use of like irony and kind of twisting its own statements and making just enough people making basically people who don't who aren't on their side take them as a joke up until the point where they're a threat. Uh huh. And it's very smart it's very clever it's also funny as fuck like it is a pitch black comedy but it is still a very good comedy uh and like so if you have a chance look at back and body which is uh, sideburns in english um okay but yeah the other movie i watched was i can't remember the name because jesus christ it's a very long name because it's a joke title uh but it's something like the cruelties the irony of fate with the uh, light steam because right. uh, bathhouses are a big thing in Russia. Gotcha. Uh, and what it's about is... The irony of fate with a light steam. Is that... Yeah. Uh, ironia sud... Ironia sud bi iris Which, yeah. Uh, it, no, it's the irony of fate or... It's the irony of fate or a light steam. Okay. Yeah. Because, again, the start of the movie takes place in a bathhouse. And it's this very funny movie... That at its core is about how communism has kind of rendered Russia into a bunch of cookie cutter cities. Uh, but what it is is it's this guy on the eve of his wedding gets super drunk with his friends in a bathhouse. He winds up on a plane. He doesn't realize he's on a plane. When he leaves the airport, he just kind of thinks he's still in his hometown. So he just kind of goes to where his apartment would be in his town, and his key still works, which is where the satire and subversiveness comes in. And then from there, it's a very funny romantic comedy because he obviously stumbles upon this woman who actually lives there. It's it's really good. They show it in Russia all the time around New Year's Eve. I have never seen what American New Year's, like what the ball dropping actually looks like. I To this day, I have no idea what it is because every single time for New Year's, my family just plays a recording of the Russian New Year's celebration. Oh, that's awesome. So so you've, you've never even watched like a recording of what our, what our silly day, New have, Year's looks like? Yeah, to this day, I have no idea what the hell the ball dropping actually means. Huh. Yeah, that just seems so... I assume this it's like is, the Tower of Terror, where it just suddenly goes. Phew. No, it goes. It it goes. Well, it, it comes down in in a minute, so it takes it some time, oh, and then they and exciting. then and then they count down the last ten seconds, and uh-huh. and and you know, um, the crazy anti-vaxxing couple um, 
what are, what are their names? Jim Carrey's ex and uh, and Donnie Wahlberg are there for some reason every year now. <laughs> and they kiss, and everyone goes, uh, and then you know we all go on living our lives. <laughs> yeah, it's like the old YouTube song says, "Nothing changes on New Year's Day." Exactly. Yeah, a lot of a lot of our traditions are strange. Well, traditions in general are strange. Like, yeah, so, so yeah. Let, are what let, we call things that we no longer have a use for, but we want to keep around. Right, so what, Um. you know, obviously, you know, an interesting part of this is growing up, you know, do you, do you remember 9-11? No, I was four. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I figure, and I was 18, and I feel like it was 12 lifetimes ago that that happened, but that was living, living over here and living in the place where the planes took off from, um, that was that was hard. I mean, it was hard for everybody, but goddamn, um, you know, but I would imagine, you know, where your, where your family comes from, um, because we have the privilege in this country of not having outside of, you know, our own people constantly murdering each other, not, not living through too many uh, land wars around here. So that was like the closest thing I can think of in, in my lifetime to feeling like that. So, uh, my my parents hadn't ever been really involved in land wars. Yeah, it's just it's it's just the part of the world, right? You know, I, I yeah. Right now, there's a big fucking uh, mess in that uh, part of Ukraine, which is okay. Before I start talking about that, let me put it to you how my father said the popular joke was to describe the current political situation in Ukraine. Sure. So the joke is: Ukrainian government used to be so corrupt that you could get away with literally anything, even if you bribed the right people. Yep. Nowadays, the government is so corrupt and such a mess that no matter who you bribe, nothing will get done. <laughs> so the so the corruption got caught up in its own red tape. Yeah, because of a lot of just messes upon messes upon messes, because Russia is a thing that has been going, Ukraine specifically is a thing that has been going on for like hundreds of years, and it has never once in history actually been stable. Oh, God. Yeah, and then the whole Crimea invasion happened, and now that's the whole thing, and now yep. Ukraine is kind of trying to, like, convert the... Because the reason why the Ukraine thing is so busy is because an even half of the country still identifies itself as Russian. Like, my, I said my family's from Ukraine, but I still, like, I call myself Russian. Yeah. And they're kind of trying to, like, squash that out. It's a, It's such a fucking mess. And the worst part of it all is that whoever ends up with that part of Ukraine at the end of this war is going to be the loser, because it's a mess. Yeah, right. Your consolation prize. You you win this nation. Have yeah, it's fun. Like, yeah, it's not. That's not even the consolation prize. It's like such a furic victory. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and again, it's just, uh, dear sweet Christ, it's such a goddamn mess. Um. So, you know, the the preempt to that, you know, um, me coming from a a family that's been here for a long time. You know, I'm my direct. My direct lineage, like immediate family, are Portuguese, French, Canadian, and German. Right. Um, so it's a weird mutt of a person that I am. But, you know, traditional wise, most of the traditions are, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, even though my grandmother was first generation Portugal um, and my grandfather was first generation German, um, you know, uh, most of those traditions kind of merged into that you know none of none of the things we did growing up felt really um foreign you know like it, it felt like okay i'm doing the same things as the rest of my friends you know um so and we're such a melting pot of an area anyway that that happens but um what about you growing up did you have 
like being a first generation um, Ukraine or, or Russian, were there things that you and your family did that were like well, very specific to you guys? Well, like I said, I've never seen an American New Year's celebration. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but like I'm Russian, like I'm very specifically Russian Jewish. Like, oh, even et- like so, ethnically, I'm like almost 100 percent Jewish. So did you did you listen to my episode with Mason? I think that might have been my first episode of shooting the shit. No, because I think I was in the middle of crying at midterms. Oh yeah, I was at that. I was at that point of studying for midterms where I'm kind of like going in a semicircle around my desk and like, you ever seen like a lion tamer like kind of try and check <laughs> yeah. if the lion's asleep or not? And you got like, yeah, <laughs> like my textbook was gonna bite me. <laughs> so, so that's hilarious. So Mason, um, that was he, he was the one that put me up over the limit to become my first guest on that. Um. I'd done like a little like promo, get me over 60 bucks or whatever it is. And you can right. be the first I, guest. I remember and that. He, yeah. And he that won. When we started talking. Yeah, ex- exactly. And so when I had him on uh, the sh- that episode of shooting, the ship became a similar thing where he's like, you know, I had done an episode with my brother about being, or we had mentioned in an episode with my brother about being um, raised in Catholic school. And he had said, oh, man, our episode of Shooting the Shit should be us talking about the upbringing of you going through Catholic school and me being in a very traditional Jewish upbringing. And I was like, that sounds perfect. So it made a good episode. Um, so it's very kind of kind of similar, but about a different thing than what we're doing. So I, I think that's cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, keep, keep going. What, what other things? Uh... What other uh, things were, well, were? I grew up in Outer Sunset, San Francisco, which means that I grew up around mostly like Asian people. Yeah. Uh, like my school was, I think, my 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 grade in school, it was like three white kids, two black kids, and then the rest of the like eighty people there were Asian in my grade. Interesting. Yeah, because that's just kind of the genetic makeup of Outer Sunset. I live um, in Lynn, Massachusetts, which is. I don't the know land if you've of ever John heard of. Cena. I'm just ah uh, yes, yes. Accurate. No, John, John Cena is from Amesbury, Massachusetts, which is on the New Hampshire border, um, which is very far from here. It's like 40 minutes north of here. Um, <laughs> that but counts as far for me. Um, so Boston, for example, I say I'm in a suburb of Boston, but Boston is 15. Yeah, without traffic. But so if if I left my house right now, I'd be in Boston in 15 minutes. I can actually see it out my window. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, if it's I, like how the Bay Area covers like yes. an hour around San Francisco. But if I left at six or seven o'clock in the morning, it would take me two and a half hours to get there. <laughs> but um, yeah. what and I was that's because what, it would have been, that's because you had to walk the entire distance because by yes. car taking you five. Yes. So in so Lynn, Massachusetts is um, it's always been a very immigrant filled area. It was Italian and Portuguese. I'm Irish back in the day, and then you know it's you Cambodian and Asian and um, African American, you know, b- big mix. But because I was in Catholic school, and because Catholic school I found was the way that basically semi-racist white people kept their kids away from the people they didn't like, um, uh-huh. <laughs> unfortunately, um, I didn't have a Asian African American. Cambodian Spanish kid in my class till third grade Mm. and it's nuts because all of my friends outside of school who were in public school were all of those things and so it was very weird and I remember they held an assembly at my school to like prepare everyone for the first African-American girl to come to the school and I'm like this is so wrong like even (laughs) even when I was like eight years old I'm like this is terrible like why are we doing this 
<laughs> At least it's uh, better than it would have been like 50 years ago where they were oh, running that oh assembly. God, they would have yeah. taught you proper rock throwing technique. Yes, yes, they would have been like, and here's how you tie a noose. We're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, no, it's just to scare them. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, that's the – so so you you were saying, so you, you grew up around um, all of yeah. that. Yeah, which means uh, – and also, like, my older brother was very much into um, anime and stuff like that. Because this is when Toonami was, like, firmly yes. cemented as a thing. So, like, I would have to, like, badger my dad into letting me stay up past 9 o'clock to let me actually watch Toonami on Saturdays. Uh and Toonami Jetstream was a thing for like a couple of years, and that's how I watched like almost all my anime for a very long time. Is just I would watch Toonami Jetstream. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like to put it this way, I literally cannot remember a point in my life where I didn't know the entire story of Dragon Ball Z. That's awesome. Like I feel like as long as I can remember, I've known Raditz, Vegeta, Frieza, Raditz, Vegeta, Dodoria, Zarbon, Ginyu's, Frieza. Android 1920, Android 171816, Cell, boo. Put a big smile on my face. I I, I remember... uh, I remember going to Borders, and they were releasing the manga of Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z were being released at the same time, like issue one, issue one, issue two, issue two. I would go there every three months to pick up the latest issue. At one point, I had an entire run of Dragon Ball on my shelf, and I had like all Dragon Ball Z up until issue like 17. So I forget what channel it was, but it was pre Cartoon Network. It was actually pre Cartoon Network, where they would each day of the week they would flip flop by showing and they were showing in order. And this is I can't remember how old I was when this started. But my brother and I watch it. They would show a Dragon Ball episode one day and then a Dragon Ball Z episode the next day. So they were showing them in parallel moving forward. I've actually still never seen an episode of Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball was was weird. Yeah, I, I, I've read the entire Dragon Ball manga. Like, I experienced yeah. Dragon Ball Z through the anime. I've experienced Dragon Ball through the manga. That's awesome. Which is why it actually... I read... I did read all of Dragon Ball Z. It wasn't until years after I had read it that I realized when it was written, they were spelling Krillin Kururin. Because every time I saw it, I just kind of... My eyes just filled in the entire word, just Krillin. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's wild. So, yeah, so, so okay, so that paints the picture of where, where you grew up. And so uh, outside of New Year's, what else um, What uh, else were you guys doing that was... Before we uh, remodeled the house, Shabbos was a thing every Friday night. Yep. I used to be able to do the Shabbos prayer, but I don't remember what it was, what it is anymore. Uh, Jewish prayer is very strange because I don't know if you've ever seen people praying in a temple... But I have. they don't stand still. Like, have you ever seen one of those dipping birds? Yep. That's basically how it goes. It's like just up and down and up and down and up and down. It's, We've got it's, to work on it's our. It's like a metronome, a human metronome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there's the the dancing, and I was. I didn't really pay much attention in temple and stuff like that. Like, my family didn't go to temple. I would just have to deal with it whenever I went to, like, a Jewish summer camp. Uh, I would always just, like, lay down on a table somewhere in the back, and I would steal one of the rabbi's hats because rabbi hats look really cool. Yes, they do. Yeah, and I would just steal that. And my hair is, like, super bushy, so yarmulkes don't really stay on it, so I just put one of the rabbi hats on. I would lay in the back on a table and, like, go to sleep. (laughs) 
so okay so you were doing that, that that's you know not something i was doing so that's that's very different um i uh one of the things that i and and it sounds from my friends that i know that grew up um jewish you know a lot of the child upbringing is you know repetition it's learning things over and over and over again so you can repeat them and all the parents go isn't that cute he knows the prayer you know or, or whatever my, my dad uh, used to make me uh for like several years of my life like up until i think uh seventh grade or something my dad used to make me write like a hundred words a day just write anything a hundred words of it wow um like literally so, handwriting in my handwriting is awful so i've so i've said this on a podcast before but the things they used to beat into our head, you know, it was all, I, I don't like learning by literal yes. Catholic school. Yes. I don't like learning by memorization. I like learning by like practicality. So that's why, yeah. I, that's why I look him, but check out, like, I'm going to go catatonic right now. So let me know when I'm done and I'll come back. But, um, being Jewish, you know, th this is, this is the evil part. Th uh, this is the Jesus part of the Bible, but I can say all of the books in order <laughs> from really? memory. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts in the letter to the Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, the book of James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation. And that's the Mormon lifting all the child's children he had by his first wife. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's awesome and then Thank so you. i used to be able to do the old testament but that was genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy joshua judges ruth first samuel second samuel and then i lose it yeah don't worry i don't know the names of any of these things no, no you I see what i mean Florida. why why do i know that <laughs> I, I haven't been i only went to catholic school through ninth grade Presumably for the same reason as why I can remember the name of pretty much every single character in dragon ball z exactly yeah but see dragon ball is interesting <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Um, parts. Yeah, no, it does. It has, you know, it's multi episode. Um, Those actually aren't the dull parts for me. The dull parts for me is just. Um, I think that the dull parts for me, like of Dragon Ball, was just whenever they would kind of have Goku just like on his own dealing with civilization yeah. and not what he's doing. Which, yeah. like, because I said, I experienced that in print form, so I could just read through it super fast. You have been listening to part one of episode six of Shooting the Shit with Chippa with my guest Leonidas701. That's at Leonidas701 on Twitter. Um, his real name is Elijah, and this was a great conversation, and I hope you enjoyed the first half, and the next half will be coming soon. Um, as always, you can find the Chipman Brothers Tangent, Creating Geeks, and the Talkbuster podcast, um, all made by me, as well as going to patreon.com slash thechippa and hopefully sending me a few bucks. Until next time, this has been Chippa. Have a good night.